say that I'm happy to be here uh, with all of you, and I want to take this opportunity to thank Brother Yance and the committee for the invitation to get to come and to worship with you. It's just my privilege to be here. I appreciate what Brother Yance is doing for the Home Missions Department. I guess this microphone is out. Nobody can hear me. What I just said was I appreciate what Brother Yance is doing for the Home Missions Department. Thank you for turning the mic on. Uh, I, I believe that there is a new invigorating challenge of faith and confidence that is being injected by the uh, ministry and the burden of Brother Yance into the Home Missions Department, and I am glad to see that. What I like about it is that it is not just being confined to the Home Missions Department, but it is spilling over into every phase of the work of God in every department, and I am glad to see that, and I just am glad to get to be here with you tonight and to see all of you, the host pastor, Brother Terry, the fine church here in Bakersfield, and many of my friends that, uh, having been away from the uh, West Coast, it's good to be back here to worship you with you for a while. Praise God. Praise God. Good to see Brother Christian again. He's a good old West Texas boy there. <clears throat> Preached us a great revival about a year ago, about six weeks. God gave us a great revival. Good to see him. And it uh, looks like it's Ray Brown I see way back there. Is that you, Brother Brown? Wave your hand. They said it's re sort of relaxed here tonight, so I'm just <laughs> taking a while getting relaxed. Brother Buxton, good to see him again up here. Leading those songs that was older than him. Hallelujah. And especially all of these missionaries that are here. Now, I have attempted to preach here in Bakersfield before, some years ago, and to meet all many of these minister brethren that are here. And... If I portray nervousness tonight, I would think that there would only be one thing that would tend to make me nervous, and that's preaching to the heroes of Pentecost, and those are home missionaries. And I speak very truthful to you when I express those feelings. Were it not for home missionaries, none of us would be here. I appreciate their labor and their work. And there is no way that I would have come to try to instruct home missionaries. I rate and rank those people that go out on the foreign soil of our own nation and labor and strive there. And if there is one comparison they have with Jesus Christ it is where the Bible said he was unesteemed among men and that's our missionary in America today 
here in the United States. They labor for him and work for him. And I'm, I'm not even going to try to get into the area of trying to instruct uh, home missionaries. And friend, if you can get out there on that, that, that home soil and build that church, you don't need any advice from Curtis Beers on how to do it. So I'm just going to preach to you a little bit, to all of us, and I hope that some, something will be said that will bless us all. I do hope so. <laughs> I recognize that there are a lot of us here. That was a profound statement, wasn't it? That's just about worth repeating. And with all of us here, I, I want you to be aware of the fact that I am aware of the fact that tonight I will not preach to maybe but about 10 or 15 people here. Now tomorrow night and Thursday night at least, and what I've sought the Lord for, I feel like that I'll try to preach to everybody. But I was praying today, and I just don't feel that I'm going to be preaching to very many people here. Now, if you don't get anything out of what I'm saying, maybe that'll let you know that... Uh, I can't say it that way that I'm not too alarmed about it. That's a nice way of saying it. Because I, I feel to preach something that may only relate to just a few of us. But I, I, but I feel to preach it tonight. And what in the world could a preacher do trying to preach something he didn't feel? You may wonder what in the world this fellow's trying to do something, preaching something he claimed he did feel. I see a crimson stream of blood And I'd like for you to sing it with me It flows from Cal Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over me. Let's sing it again. I see that crimson stream of blood. It blows from Calvary. Its waves which reach the throne of God. Oh, they are sweeping over me. Now we're going to sing it again, and I, I perhaps you know, being Pentecostal, by now already the, the direction in which we will probably go. 
Maybe when we sing that song, it is so, we're so acquainted with it. And sometimes we only relate to situations. We only relate to situations. And, but would you, for the sake of those around you, tonight sing it again and close your eyes and lift your hand. There, there's somebody that, there's somebody, and may I speak very frankly to you, there's somebody that, that the Holy Ghost wants to do something for in a special way tonight. I see a crimson stream of blood and it flows from Calvary. It's waves which reach the throne of God or sweeping over me. Now let's sing it for Jesus this time. Oh yes, I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. Its waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over. Now for that dozen or so that really feels it, let's sing it for them again. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. It's waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over. Would you love him right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank God, thank God, thank God. Praise God. Thank you very much. Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah 49 and 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. <clears throat> For the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy on on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hand. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms 
of my hand. Zechariah 13 and 4. And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophets shall be ashamed, every one of his vision, when he hath prophesied. Neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. But he shall say, I am no prophet, I am a husbandman. For man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. And one shall say to him, What are these wounds in thy hands? And he shall answer, These are those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. I'd like to use this for a subject title tonight, The Purpose of Nail Prints. The Purpose of Nail Prints. There are numerous prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the New Testament gives us an insight since we can see both the Old and the New we see in the cross the fulfillment of many of the types and shadows of the law. Thank you, boy. We know that he suffered without the camp, and therefore he became the lamb. He bore our sins for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. We understand the agony of Gethsemane in which he prayed, Let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless not my will, thy will be done. And he took our sins. And he, was, he did no sin. Therefore he was made to be sin for us. We know why that he was crucified with thieves because prophecy said that he was numbered with the transgressors. And we know why that he bore stripes on his back because by his stripes we are healed. But I began to study and I found out that most prophecies of any particular thing that took place on Golgotha's hill the most numerous prophecies in the Bible mention the piercing of his feet and the piercing of his hands. One of the earliest prophecies in Old Testament was concerning pierced hands on Calvary. One of the few prophecies that we are reminded of even in the millennium is that one of him being wounded in the house of his friends. Now to identify and to be able to relate with many things in the Bible, you must understand it. To relate with the location of the cross, not the cross itself, the location of the cross. You must in some sense be a Bible scholar to understand what it meant for the cross to be outside the camp and outside the hill or the, the city and to fulfill that prophecy. To relate to stripes, you must know what it means to suffer pain and agony. I mean, when you can't get relief and you can't get help and to be near death and for someone to come and to anoint you with oil and to pray the prayer of faith and believe on the name of the Lord and for God to touch the fevered brow 
and for there to be that instant healing, you must be there to really know what stripes mean. You've got to cry a while. You have to shed tears. You have to hurt a while. You have to be in pain a while. I know that there's a man that I talked to in my home church just a little while ago. And he said, I'm in terrible pain. I'm hurting right now. I don't know what's wrong. I'm in pain. And uh, uh, you've got to know pain to be able to know stripes. It means nothing if you have never been there and couldn't have anything else. But somehow you can relate to those stripes on Calvary. They become personally applied, the results of them, to our lives. And the prophecy of pierced palms refers to a very ancient custom of the East days. And in some parts of the East, it still goes on and is still continued today. That when a man had a very near beloved one, or he had a very close companion, he had a very dear friend, or he was espoused to a bride. And he was going to leave for a long time, and it may be months that he was going to leave. And those months may stretch into a year, or two, or five, or fifteen, or maybe close to a lifetime. And this man was going to be gone, but his plans were to return. They would take the palm of their hand and they would engrave or carve and etch into not just the skin but into the very flesh the name of that loved one. Not only would they carve the name but they would carve a likeness of that individual. They would carve an image of that individual in the palm of their hand. And as long as they lived, the symbol was that they could never be forgotten. Because every day they were in contact with their hands. Their hands were ever before them. And there was a daily reminder that was before their eyes constantly. There was an outward pledge of fidelity. There was a constant commitment to a remembrance that I will remember you as long as I am gone. And God said, Isaiah, tell my people this. Zion has said, my Lord hath forgotten me. May I remind you that I'm not preaching to most of you tonight. I'm preaching to some here. Zion has said, my Lord has forgotten me. My Lord will not answer my prayers. My Lord will not give me revival that I want. My Lord has not relieved the sufferings that I bear. He has forgotten me in the midnight. I have not been able to find him with long fastings. I have not been able to find him with many bitter tears. He must have gone on a long journey. I have walked through the desert and I have not found him. I have got up and preceded the rising of the sun. And desperately I have prevailed on him. And he has not heard me. He said, Isaiah, my people are saying that I have forgotten them and I do not remember them. They are saying that they have sought me but have not found me and that I have forgotten them because they're bearing their burdens along and their burdens have stretched out over months and their burdens have stretched into years that they have borne them alone. Their burdens have plagued them. They've borne trouble. Their sons are lost. Their daughters are in bondage and they need help. They pleaded for miracle. They 
pleaded for the supernatural. They have wept until they could cry no more. They've borne burdens until no more burdens could be borne. They've carried their cross until even in his similitude they have fallen flat of their face and could not rise again. And they say, He has forgotten us and his spirit's gone. But there are some things that God wants you to know that I have not forgotten thee. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! The cry of Zion was an accusation of negligence that he has not been faithful. He has not remembered us, but he has forgotten us. So much of God we cannot understand. Because he is so omnipotent, we cannot understand things about him. As mere mortals, we are so weak, and we fail him so much. And we make so many mistakes that it's difficult for us to realize that he is one that never fails. We say never fails and we don't know what that means because we fail often. We say he never forsakes and we do not understand that. There's so much that we commit to him that we cannot really understand to leave it to his keeping because he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor he sleeps. He does not grow weary. He does not grow tired. He does not become discouraged. He does not become uh, uh, indespondent. He does not enter into despair. He is never at a loss for direction. He never is in a situation that he doesn't know what's going on. He is never one that has to hesitate in his decisions. He is never one that has to pause and to rechart his course because he knows the end of things from the very beginning of things. In him all the promises of God are yea and amen. There is no need for adjustment. There is no shadow of turning. There is no insinuation of change within him. There is absolutely no failure in him. And there is no probability, there is no possibility, there is no way that he can fail or that he can lie or that he can change or that he can let you down or that he can disappoint you. Therefore, most of the things that he does, he does not do them for himself. But he does them for us. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that there is a record kept. Why does God keep a record? Does he have to have a record to refresh his own memory? Does he have to keep books lest he forget things? The Bible said books are going to be opened in that day. Why will books be open in that day? Not because there will be some things that he has forgotten, but there is a record-keeping department in the eternal world to let the faithful know the records are not just for the ungodly, but the records are for the faithful one to know that Zion, even though you may weep in the midnight, I want you to know that every prayer, every tear, every burden, every door you've knocked, every time you've given a Bible study, and there's only 
only been five there. Every time you've had a revival and only one little child prayed through, I want you to know that every time you wept in the midnight, I've got every tear bottle down. Every time you stood all alone, I've been right there by your side. I'm not keeping those records for my sake. I'm keeping them to let you know that every moment of the day, every hour of the year, every week of the year, and every month of the year, wherever you go, I have my eye on you. You may not be, you may not be recognized by men. You may not be honored by those around you. Nobody may hear you pray. Nobody may know the burden that you're going through with. But I've got some record books to let you know that I have not forgotten you. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. The Bible talks about tears being kept in a bottle. Does he have to have tears in a bottle to remember them? Does he have to does he have to have an angel come down every time you cry and say, Catch those tears? No, no, nobody knows they're crying. It's midnight. They've done everything they could to get a breakthrough. They've done everything they could to get an answer. And they have pleaded every way they can, but there has been no dawning in that dark tunnel that they're in. Does he need the bottle? No. You need the bottle. I said you need the bottle. And so therefore, he says, for you, I'm making this great big effort to let you know that every little tear you shed, when sometimes you are so dried up that you can't get but one little tear out, that sometimes you are so weak, it is just a small tear. And then sometimes you are so desperate that you weep until you fall asleep in the midnight. And the next day, there's still nothing but the blazing hot sun of the desert that you're wandering in. But he said, I want you to know one thing, my child. I have got a record of all of those tears. And I have them in the bottle there. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ did not have to be nailed to a cross. It was customary to be tied with thrones, but it was prophecy to be nailed with spikes. It was custom to tie a man to a cross, but he said, Isaiah, write it in my word. I want my people to know that wherever I am, wherever they go, I am with them always. Even to the end of the world, I'm going to take them with me. Even to the end of the universe. It's not that I'm a million miles away and they're left on that old terra firma by themselves. Not only am I there in spirit, but wherever I am, they're also with me because I have engraven their likeness and their name in the palm of my hand and their city may be of a hundred thousand and their church may run five and their city may not recognize them but write it down that when those spikes gouge that flesh apart they're doing it to let my people know that wherever I am they are constantly before me every moment of the day I will not forget them them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sins were born in his blood. Healing and 
disease and sickness flowed. And he suffered it in the stripes in his back. And your peace was in his chastisement. But your name, he engraved it in the palm of his hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know a few of those that I'm preaching to tonight. I already feel, I already feel your loneliness out there. I already feel your desperation out there. I already feel you walking at midnight. I already feel you driving home from this seminar, going back to face that old jungle. I have already feel you going back there to face that loneliness. And I'll tell you what, I've never preached this sermon before, and I hate to do something like this at a convention. But this afternoon, I felt the Spirit of the Lord said, Hey, I've got a few ideas I want you to throw together. There's going to be somebody there that feels like they're the only one. There's nobody they can call. Nobody understands their burden. They can't talk it to the saints. They can't talk it to anybody else. Their family doesn't understand them. Their friends don't understand them. I want you to tell them that I have engraven them in the palm of my hand. And when the sun rises in the morning, I've got them right there before my eyes. When the midnight sun sets, I have them in the palm of my hands. And they may feel all alone, but I have them constantly before me. I've got a Commitment to remembrance. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory. Not because he needed a reminder, but because you needed a reminder that he would not forget you. Not because he needed stripes, but because you needed stripes. They nailed him instead of tying him for your sake. Because he said, you need a reminder that I have engraven thee on the palms of my hands. I couldn't forget you if I had to. I couldn't forget you if I had to. Because I took your sins and Golgotha. I took your sins and Gethsemane. I couldn't forget you if I had to. Because you're my child born of my flesh and blood. And that's why he said, Can a mother forget her child? And then he said, Yea, they may forget. And it's not enough them just to be born again and for them to be my child because a mother may forget her own child but I am going to go beyond that relationship of parent and child I am going to go beyond that of friend and redeemer I'm going to Calvary and I will not only be numbered with transgressors but while the transgressors have throngs binding their feet and binding their arms to the cross. Those soldiers are going to take wooden spikes and gouge holes in my hands. Not for me, but for that man that's walking that lonely valley. For that man that's fighting of a devil in his city. For that man that's striving for that breakthrough. For that man that's praying in the midnight hour and working that daily job. For that man that is unseen, unsung, unheard heard and unheralded. I'm doing it for him to let him know that I will never forget him. That I will never forget him. 
Everybody else talks about somebody called me when I was I was right at the lowest point. But one man says, nobody ever called me. I was there all along. Somebody said, the check came through just in time. But this man says, I didn't get anything just in time. One says, everything just worked out in the nick of time. And another one says, my wife's health's gone. My children are about gone. I can't get what I need in that whole mission field. But I'll tell you, friend, he went to Calvary and said, soldiers, put that old spike in my hand. I want that child of God to know that I will never forget thee. I have not forsaken thee. I'm right there by your side. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory. Listen, child. I want you to know there's a crowd of people here tonight. But God stopped this preacher from preaching a, a special sermon tonight. And he said there's somebody that can't go through this convention until, first of all, you get some faith in them. Until, first of all, you get some courage in them. And let them know that I've had my hand on them. I've been watching them. I've been leading them. I've been guiding them. They're not alone. I'm out there with them. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Boy, I'll tell you, we're, we're just in the halfway point now. We're halfway between crying and halfway between shouting. I don't know which way we're going to go next. But I think I'm, begin I'm, I'm beginning to feel what I was wanting to reach to. I'll tell you again so that you may hear what I said. There's somebody came to this seminar today and you have fought so many devils. You have been alone so many times. You didn't think God was ever going to answer your prayer. That's where you were. You didn't think you was ever going to have that breakthrough. You didn't think that revival was ever going to come. You didn't think God was ever going to hear you. You thought you were destined to fail your all of your life. But I'll tell you what. The Lord wants you to know that he went to Calvary and not only did he bear stripes in his back but nails were run through his hand for your sake to let him know that every time everything went wrong he said I have not forgotten thee don't accuse me of negligence don't accuse me of letting you down don't accuse me of ignoring you I've got every prayer up there I've got every tear up there I've got every labor up there I have every sorrow on the other side and I have not forgotten thee <laughs> oh, my, my, my. The reason I'm beginning to feel joyful, I'm beginning to feel in the spirit that I'm reaching those that the Holy Ghost wanted to. He said, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Man, I went through that battle and nobody knew. Ah, child, when you was going through it, he said, I had you right there in the palm of my hand. You thought you was about to go down, but you weren't about to go down. No, sir. Hallelujah. Well, boy, it's hard for me to stand still up here. I'll tell you the truth. When you pass through the rivers, they will not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned. You thought you was going to die. But he said, you're not going to be burned. You're going to walk through that fire. 
and that child you thought was going to destroy you. Everybody turned against you. Your friends let you down. But Jesus said, let me say this. I have prayed for thee. And no man is going to pluck thee out of my hand. The whole town may try to get you out of my hand, but I'm not going to forget you. You may not be recognized at the district convention, but I have not forgotten thee. Flashing personalities may rise and they may ignore you, but he says, I want you to know that I have not forgotten you. Somebody with preeminence and somebody with prestige and somebody who knows somebody who can pull the strings may get somebody else to do what you ought to done and somebody else may get your earthly crown. But he said, when you're walking through the fire, I will be with you. I want you to know no man, no man, no no man, no man is going to come pull you out of my hand. Nobody's going to rise up and get your reward. I've seen you down there laboring five, six years in that soil. I've seen you planted in that old desert. I've seen you walking through that river. And when the final results are tallied up on the other side, nobody knows what you've gone through. Nobody knows how you suffered. And no man is going to get that record out of my hand because I've graven thee there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Wherever I am, I'm with you. Wherever I am, I am with you. Wherever I am, I'm with you. Wherever I am, I am with you. Wherever I am, I am with you. We identify with him being with us. We identify with whenever things going right, boy, God's with us now. But he said, Lo, I am with you. Wherever I am, I'm still with you. Even to the end of the world when you're lonely I'm still with you because I'm carrying you in the palm of my hand you just think you're about to stumble you just think you're about to fall you just think you're all alone wherever I am I am with you always I tell you I told the church back home in Okmulgee a few nights ago Sunday night or Sunday morning or Thursday night. I said, one of the greatest problems we have is on Monday morning waking up and thinking that God's a million miles away. I said, we can make it all right Monday morning. But when we go through three or four days like that, we begin to despair when we can't feel him, when we can't see him, when we can't touch him. He said, lo, I am with you. And preachers, let's admit the same thing. Sometimes when it don't happen overnight, sometimes when we don't get what we need right now, we are so hungry and so desperate for God to do it now that when he does it, when it seems like we've gone to the end of the world, he said, I'm still with you. When it seems like I'm a million miles away, 
when it seems like I'm on the other end of the universe. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Simon Peter, Satan has desired to get you. And boy, I want you to know I've prayed for you that your faith failed you not. And the hour of temptation came, and sure enough, Simon Peter denied him. He failed him. He cursed. And yet, when he arose a few days later, he said, You go and tell Simon Peter that I have gone before him into Galilee. Why did the Lord say, you go tell Simon Peter that I have gone before? Why did he single out that name? Because there was one that had wanted betrayed him and was hopeless and helplessly gone. Ten others had ran away from him, but one stood between betrayal and simply forsaking. He had denied him. I can see them meeting again. If there was ever a hangdog fellow, it ought to have been Simon Peter, and it was. If there was ever somebody despondent, it was that fellow Simon Peter. I hope he's alive, but I don't know if I can ever look him in the eyes again. What did you say, Mary? She said, I talked to him, and he said for me to tell you that he still knows what your name is that he's going to be waiting for you over there. You may have failed him, and you may have let him down, and you've gone through the hour of your temptation. You've gone through the hour of your trial, and you have not done all you wish you could have done. But he said, I've already been to Calvary, and I've got you engraven on the palms of my hand, and I will never forsake Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. John chapter 17. And this is what Jesus said. You go tell Simon Peter I've prayed for him. And he said, Neither pray I for these here alone, but I'm praying for them which are going to believe on me through their word. I'm praying for them in 1979 I'm praying for them believers way down there what are you praying for them for I'm praying for them to let them know that when they have marched to the valley and when they have failed and not succeeded that I have prayed for them God is ever in the ever-present now. I am the same yesterday. Not I was the same and will be the same tomorrow. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not I was the first and will be the last, but I am the first and I am the last. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. The ever-present now. Simon Peter, I prayed for thee. And not only do I pray for these, but I pray for them in 79. When did his prayer become effective for you? The eternal now of God. The eternal now. Did he just pray for you when you were a sinner? Did he just pray for you when you just started? Or is that prayer as effectual 
as the blood of Calvary is effectual as it still flows. Long as he is in the office of the flesh, he ever liveth and maketh intercession. We understand that there are not two and one praying to another, but through the eternal now. Then became now. The garden becomes now. Calvary becomes now. The shed blood on his back becomes healing now. The blood and water that flowed from his side becomes salvation now. The cup that he drank then become the sins of the world now. And when he knelt in Calvary, he was praying for you now. I am with you. I have engraven you in the palms of my hands. When you have failed, when you have despaired, I want you to know that I still have not forgotten you. We still have an advocate. We have our own personal attorney. We have our own Savior. We have our own Redeemer. We have our own Messiah who will not forsake, who will not ignore. He will not let us down because every day you're before His eyes. Hallelujah. He has a pledge of fidelity. He has a pledge of fidelity. I'm going on a long journey. But I'm not going to forget you. A mother may forget her sucking child. And she may cast him in the garbage can when he's three days old. And walk away and never shed a tear. But I will never forget you. A man may go on a long journey, and he may stay gone for 25 and 50 years, and he may forget his pledge, but I have you before my hands every day. I have not just engraven your name, but I've got thee. He said, I have engraven you. It's not just your likeness in there, but he superseded the customs of the East. He didn't say, I have engraven thy name in the palms of my hand. He didn't say, I have just engraven a likeness of you in the palms of my hand. He said, I come. Oh, and I got you. And I put you in the palm of my hand. And you're right there. Not just your name, but every day I'm seeing you. when I found you but I've got you just like you are right now in the palm of my hand and I'm not holding anything against you I'm not charging you with negligence I have you in the palm of my hand where I cannot forget you I have you in your valley in the palm of my hand I have you in your mountaintop in the palm of my hand I have you in your fiery furnace in the palm of my hand I have you I have you bowing on your knees I have you at the midnight hour laying flat of your face I have you on that job. I have you walking those streets, knocking doors. I have you through the trial of your life in every way that you've ever been. I am right there, ever living and making intercession and have you in the palm of my hands. Glory, glory. Malachi 3.16 Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord heard it and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared on the Lord and called on his name and did you hear that Malachi said the Lord 
said, everybody that just talks about my name, I have a book to remember them by. Now, this is not the book of the sinners. This is the book of remembrance. It was the book of the kings. It was what Ahasuerus, when he could not sleep one night, he said, boys, I can't rest. Why don't you bring me out the chronicles of the kings? What you want the chronicles of the kings for? I'm feeling a good mood. I want to find somebody that's done something for me. And the Bible said when they read to him what old Mordecai had done, he said, that's far enough. I found what I've been wanting. I want you to go get that fellow, and I want you to honor him. I'm just in a good mood to do something good for somebody. Go get me the book of the kings. And I'm here to tell you tonight that there is a king that has got a book of remembrance, which is the book of the kings. And every once in a while, he says, get me that book, Gabriel. Not that I need that book, but I want them to know that every good thing they did. Mordecai, you thought nobody noticed the report that you made. You thought that nobody saw you and nobody remembered when you reported that evil that was done. But it finally got in the records of the king and months and months and months and months later, when you're in the lowest time of your life, you didn't need that blessing way back then, Mordecai, because everything was go going lovely and rosy. But now, oh, are you hearing me? Listen, let me tell you again, I'm just preaching to a few here tonight, and I don't care what I meant to say. Well, well uh, I want you to understand that I'm aware of the fact that I'm not preaching to you, and I don't care whether I am or not because I'm preaching to some here tonight that Mordecai when everything was going good when everything was going lovely I didn't let that blessing come because you didn't need it right then but I stored it back in the book of the remembrance of the kings that when you get on the lowest despairing point that you've ever been in your life you think you and the whole nation's about to die I am going to bring you to the kingdom for such a time as this and give you an honor and give you a blessing and I want you to know child of God that our king has a book of remembrance and every prayer you prayed every burden you carried there's going to be a time when all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord not everything that comes is for your good not everything that comes your way is the will of God but all things are going to work together yes sir when a trial comes when you can't make it any further God's going to reach way back there in the book of remembrance and says I remember when John Doe I remember when sister Sue couldn't make it any further and I remember what they did for me back there and let them bring, let me bring them right now I'm going to answer their prayer I'm going to heal their body I'm going to give them that revival I'm going to give them that breakthrough because I have it in my book of remembrance hallelujah 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 Thomas said I will not believe I will not believe until I can put my finger in the palm of his hand and put my hand into his side. Thomas said, listen, I've been through so much that I can't make it any further. I am about to go down. Help me, I can't make it. But we saw him, Thomas, we saw him. Good. But I saw him die. I, 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 can't, I can't account for what you saw. I just know what I saw. I saw him die. I just don't believe he was a redeemer. He's forsaken us, boys. 
This was not the Messiah. No, we saw him rise. Listen, listen, old Thomas now. Hear me now, fellas. Calm down. I saw him die. Rem remember him dying? Don't, don't you remember that blood shedding? You remember how gruesome it was? And remember that thunder and that lightning? He was dead. You remember how, how limp he was when they took him down that cross? I saw him die. He was not the Messiah. Let's accept the fact we're going to get our heads cut off if we don't get excited. He was a good prophet. And I saw him die. This is not the Savior. This is not the Redeemer. And in that cry of desperation that I will not believe until I know that I am in the palm of his hands. I don't know where Jesus Christ was. I have no idea where he was. I have no idea whether he was in the flesh or in the spirit. But I know that that cry of desperation brought him in such a hurry that he did not even pause to unlock the door. But all of a sudden, here he was. God is faithful. Who will not suffer us to be tempted above that which we're able to bear? He has a pledge of fidelity. He is faithful. And when you, he will not suffer us to be tempted above that which we're able to bear. That word suffer means to leave alone. He will not leave us alone. But he says, I'm going to take you with me in the palm of my hand. Thomas! What's going on here, Lord? Thomas! It was an imperfect situation. Nothing was going right. Doubt and fear prevailed. I thought that God only worked where ultimate faith was operating. No, He usually worked where there was no faith. He usually came on board when the ship was going down. He usually came up from the bow of the ship when they said, Master, we're perishing. That's usually when he came. Sometimes we believe and believe and believe and it doesn't happen. And then we find out that it's just when we can't take another step that God appears on board. It's imperfect situation. Doubt and fear, closed doors, despondency. But that brought God into operation. And all of a sudden, he stopped right there and stepped into that room and said, Thomas, be not faithless, but believing. Come here. <laughs> Come here, Thomas. Now, you're not only going to see this boy, but you're going to put your hand right there. Thrust your hand into my side and put your finger in the palm of my hand and be not faithless, but be believing. I have not forgotten you. I have not forsaken you. And he fell down on his knees and he said, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Hey, boys, this is the Redeemer. This is the Messiah. He came just in the nick of time. Forget what I said about this not being the one. He did remember us. Blessed art thou, Thomas, because you've seen and believed. But more blessed are they which have not seen. And yet they have believed that somewhere on the other side there are some nail prints. There's a song. I wish somebody in this congregation knew it tonight. It says, friend, don't worry about this heavy load I'm carrying. Don't be concerned when it brings me to my knees. There's a place where all my loads are lightened. I'll be all right as soon as I reach Calvary. If these feeble hands of mine can only reach out through this dark and stormy veil of unbelief. If these hands of mine can only reach out 
to his hand. I'll be all right as soon as I touch Calvary. I'll tell you what's going to help you. If you do not see, but if you can reach out and somehow in the spirit get a hold of some hands that you feel a nail print and you'll feel your own self in that hand and you're going to know that everything is all right. You're going to know that he has not forgotten you. Hallelujah. Because I'm going away on a long journey. It's going to be a while before I get back. Because I'm going away to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. And if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself. We are in the age of doubt. Scripturally, this is the age to destroy faith. Everything about the last days of the world was doubt. Where is the promise of his coming? Doubt. In such an hour as you think, negative, not the Son of Man cometh. The Spirit the age of doubt. That's the time we're in. And the devil wants to inject it in you. I hope that somehow in these services, when these four nights have concluded, that you'll go home and that you will not be afflicted with doubt. Thomas, blessed are they which have not seen, yet they believe. They've not got their answer. And they believed. They have walked lonely, and still they believe. Nothing went their way, Brother Yance, but they kept out there on that field laboring. Everything fell apart but them, and they kept plodding on. They couldn't see any end of the road, but they knew that when they got there, he would be there. The storm was rough. And the night was dark. And all they could hold on to was nail prints. It was there. Thomas, what are you going to do now? This is the days after the resurrection. I don't care. He's my Lord and my God because I've got a hold of nail prints. I was graven in his image. Job said, Job said this in Job 23 and 9. And I'm closing with this. Behold, I go forward. He is not there. I've gone as far as I can go. I've run into a brick wall and I couldn't find God. Backward! I couldn't find Him. I retraced all my steps. God, what have I did? Where have I failed? I went backward. But I couldn't find God anywhere. I went to the right hand. And I perceived Him not. And I went on the left hand. And I didn't find Him. What are you going to do now, Job? But He knoweth. He knoweth. The way that I take. I'm just going to keep going. And I don't know when it's going to be. <laughs> but whenever it is, I'm going to come forth as pure gold. 
Shall we stand and love him? I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to keep holding on. <laughs> and when this whole thing's over with, I'm going to come forth like gold, even though I don't feel it right now. Let's lift our hands and love him right now. Hallelujah. The other night, I sat in my office late, and a man sat there, and he began to cry. He said, nobody knows what I'm going through with. He said, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And he broke down and began to tell the battle that he was having, the trial he was going through with. And I said, man, I'm going to tell you. He said, tell me what to do. Whatever you tell me to do, I've made up my mind tonight that I'll do it. I said, I'm going to tell you the hardest thing in the world to do. I said, trust God. Trust God. I said, because when you come out of this, this will be the turning point of your life. This will be the turning point of your life. And everybody else may think you have failed, but you will know with God that you have succeeded. You will know with God that you have succeeded. I said, and then, I said, because years ago, I said, you're not going to understand this. I said, but years ago, I sat right where you sat. I went through what you went through. I said, and I can honestly look you in the eye and tell you that I'm not afraid to go there again because I have been there. And I know, I didn't know it till I went there that he would be with me. But I found out when I got there that he was right there too. And I found out that he did not forget what I did. Everybody else forgot me, but he did not forget me. And I had rather him remember me than all the world remember me. Because he writes it down in his book of remembrance. And just when I needed it, he came through and said, Pull that old book out. I've got some records. I've got some debts I want to pay up. I've got some blessings I want to pour out. And pick out that fellow and begin to give, give him some of them. Because you're engraven in the palm of his hand. Let's love him one more time. I see that crimson stream of blood It flows Just for you, the hour is late The hour is late But just for some that God's got in the book, book of Remembrance tonight, I would like for us to spend a few moments to stand around this altar and worship God. Would you, would you mind coming? Let's come right ahead. Come sing it. I seek that crimson stream of blood. 
It blows from Calvary. Its waves which reach the throne of God. Would you worship Him now? Or sweeping over Let's sing it again, come on I see a crimson stream of blood It flows from Calvary has not forsaken you. Zion has said, the Lord has forgotten me. But tell them, I have them in the palms of my hand, and I will never forsake them. Hallelujah. No matter how rough it gets, he's not going to forget you. He will not leave you comfortless. He will come to you. He will come to you. He will come to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Reach out to him right now. Reach out to him right now. I will not leave you comfortless, but I'm going to come when you need a comforter. I'm going to come when you need a touching hand. I'm going to come and show you the palms of my hand that I have not forgotten you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.